Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. What's going on, podcasters? This is Alex Chateras here with another episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Let me give you a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today. First, we're going to talk about Tom Thibodeau's hire. Then we're going to go into the potential return of Mike Woodson to the Mecca. After that, we're going to go over Steve Stout's interview on The Breakfast Club. And last but not least, we're going to discuss the Chicago bubble. And John, what do we got for the et cetera portion today? What's up, Alex? For the et cetera portion today, we got the NBA restart with scores and news around the league, starting with Carmelo Anthony. And we'll also, of course, be discussing the West, play-in game for the West. And don't forget, the best team in the world, I mean baseball, the New York Yankees. Sounds great, John. All right, Ricey, kick that shit. What's going on, everyone? This is your host of the Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast, Alex Terrace. And with me, as always, and hopefully always, is my co-host, John Malika. John, how are you doing today, buddy? What's up, Alex? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Another day in the, in the NBA and MLB bubble. Oh, <laughs> isn't it great, man? I freaking love having all these games going on. You know, I've actually been like, when I'm just like, I think everyone's doing this. I don't know how you cannot go through work and not have the games on at this point. It's like that old school, like, I don't even know what it is. It's like seeing like that old, like accountant, like in the office has like the, the game on TV, right? You're just like, cat. it feels great, man. It just feels yeah, like I that. agree. I agree. It does. It does feel. It does feel like that. I uh, I do remember uh, sneaking in my my big CD player in high school uh, and listening to the Yankee games. So <laughs> I feel you on the radio. <laughs> so I'm with you. Speaking about high school, you coach, right? Didn't you coach yesterday? Yeah. No, we're actually um, we're off this year because of COVID. But we just uh, you know we just play around outside. Uh, just like have some pickup games where we can, but, uh, the season's canceled this year, unfortunately, but you were training with your players, right? You know, who would want to really do that? Our new Knicks head coach, Tom Thibodeau, baby. How Tibbs, you... Tibbs is in town. Tibbs is in town. How do you feel about the hire? Well, I am really glad that Jeff Van Gundy's assistant coach Tibbs is back. Um, I do imagine him just like that meme that's going around with his Tim's on and his flat rim Yankee hat just sitting on the <laughs> bench like yelling at everyone with his with the New York accent. That is the picture I have in my head. But also, I'm just so excited because he is an absolute basketball junkie. Um, he does not care about anything else except for basketball. And that's exactly what the Knicks need. The Knicks need somebody to look up to that loves basketball. And unfortunately, we just never had that in the organization. And I think that we actually finally do. A teacher that loves basketball. We finally have him. Yeah, we haven't had that since his, you know, colleague, Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah, good old, good old JVG. Yeah, man. So let me ask you this, though. Like, I'm excited for the hire, too. I'm happy that we 
got Tom Thibodeau. I, I wrote about it for Hoops Habit where I thought like he was going to be the candidate. Like once he, even when it got closer to like the head coaching race and it felt like there was only three guys in the race, you know, it was between him, Kenny Atkinson. And then you also had Jason Kidd that popped out of nowhere. Um, where were you between all these coaches and the candidates? Was Tibbs like you're always your number one hire? Cause he was for me. And I want to know what, what you felt about him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I always wanted Tibbs. Tibbs has been, um, I don't really believe the hype about, uh, the minutes restriction. Um, I think he learned a lot and he over did it in Minnesota. Um, so I really had Tibbs in my head, but I was really trying to think of the worst case scenario, which is the general idea when you're a Knicks fan. So I was thinking about what's going to happen or what my thoughts are going to be if we get Atkinson or Jason Kidd or even, you know, Mike Miller or even a Mark Jackson, you know, at a left field. Um, any of those other guys, I, f- I feel like would have been just a bump, another bump in the road, Knicks hire. Um, not Mike Miller. But I think the other the other guys would have just been like sort of like a developmental like this is not going to be our guy, but you know this is going to entice the next superstar to come here. He's gonna you know do all these things. Like I, I'm just like I am so done with that uh, dream scenario of like bringing Jason Kidd so he can get Giannis or get Kenny Atkinson because you know the players love him or get Mark Jackson, Steph Curry. You know like I'm so done with all that stuff. Just like give me the coach who loves basketball, who loves X's and O's. And the, his biggest problem is that his, he pushes his players too hard in practice. <laughs> like, I almost like, like I, you know, I'm sure, Alex, you know, you're in the same boat. Whenever, you know, the Knicks, uh, Jets, or the Yankees, specifically anything happens, any big transactions, our phones blow up, right? They ask us what we think. For sure. So in Thibodeau, you know, the first thing, of course, with the Knicks is you have to say how it's bad for the Knicks. So the, the first criticism was, oh, the Knicks are going to hate him in practice. What are they going to do? As if, like, the Knicks have ever tried hard in practice. Like, now we're worried about the Knicks trying too hard and over, you know, exerting themselves in the game so that they're going to be too tired. Like, what are we talking about here? You know, the, the Knicks need this. They need someone who's going to walk into practice and scream at them and yell at them and make them believe. Like, I, I want that. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And honestly, if, if, if a player doesn't want that, like, see you later. You know what I mean? That That's no, how I, I feel about it. I, I agree. I think for me, um, I definitely have a lot of the sentiments that you have about Thibodeau and what I like about him and what he brings to the table. He's a basketball guy. He's basketball mind all the time. Just sleep, eats, drinks basketball, like nonstop. Just like the Bill, Bill Belichick of like football, right? Like, exactly. What, I was going to say that. More, he, he is, he's come what, from the same cloth what more could you want? Like, that's what you want in a coach, a guy who's going to spend all this time trying to get your, your team ready for every game and be over-prepared. You know, that's the best. Um, I think with, I think with like, if for me, when I initially wanted coaches, like Thibodeau was like, okay, I could, I, I, I was happy with Tibbs when it first came out um, after was probably around like January, but once Kenny Atkinson got, can from the Nets, I was like, you know, maybe I do want Kenny because he's a developmental guy. You know, he also gets the same type of rep where he's overprepared. He's a basketball mind. Guys like connect with him. He can bond with them. He's younger, all that type of stuff. But the more research that I did about Tibbs and just seeing, you know, and started putting 
all the pieces together, whether it was reading stuff like what happened in Chicago, reading stuff that happened in Minnesota and looking like at his track record. We're talking about the guy who's ranked 11th and 12th in all time wins in the NBA. And you need 500 wins, 500 games minimum, I should say, to be in that category. People like Greg Popovich are in that category. That's that's quite an achievement. You know, that's that's not just that doesn't go to anybody. And like when you start seeing like what, you know, like they talked about the Bulls being like a 40 win team, but then he took them to a 60 win team. Like <laughs> that's impressive. Like not everyone just goes in and gets creates a 60 win team. And then on top of that, the guys that he did develop, who I feel like everyone's like, well, he's not a rookie. It's like, or they're not rookies. Like when he came in, whether it was like Joe Kim Noah, like Taj Gibson, Derek Rose, like the only well, true dang. Well, dang, the only true rookie he had, I guess, was like Jimmy Butler. But what Jimmy Butler was like around the 30th pick and look what he's become. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. I like I see him being a guy who will develop players like. And on top of that, like, I, that's what I want. I want a guy who's a basketball mind. And like, I don't want someone who's just going to give like young guys like minutes. You know what I mean? Like we saw that in like with L.A. where there was like Ingram and Alonzo guys who were just like young and just run them out there. And you need that time to like get the experience. But I want a guy who's also going to rein people in. At the same time with this, I think with Tibbs is like with the overreaction of just like running guys into the ground. It's like, I think we blow this, I think we blow this out of proportion to a certain extent where it's like, we see like great players like LeBron James, like, like playing like so many minutes, you know what I mean? Like, like if you're great and you can play that many minutes and your body can handle it, they can handle it. like, yes, Derek Rose got injured, but it's like, is that Tibbs fault? you could potentially maybe throw that on Tibbs, but not really. We can also say, Hey, it was a shortened season. Hey, Derek Rose is just naturally injury prone ever since Derek Rose left Minnesota. He's also had numerous injuries. I don't know. I feel like with Tibbs, we're getting a guy who's solid. We're getting a guy who, you know, is going to bring a lot to the table. And I think he's going to help develop guys, especially RJ, Mitch and Frank guys who like, have that mentality of like wanting to be great. I'm not so sure on Kevin Knox. I think Kevin Knox will be okay. Um, I think Tibbs will like rein him in and just like try to get him to focus, but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about Tibbs. I wanted Tibbs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. Um, especially I think you hit it at the end where Tibbs came in and is excited to work with uh, Mitch Robinson. But I just want to rewind to one point, like with the minutes restriction thing, Go check out Carl Anthony Towns' minutes. He actually reduced them. And that was one of the criticisms. Oh, you're not playing him enough with, you know, and the whole him and Butler were there and all of those rotations. But I think his problem was he's not Bill Belichick in the sense that, yes, he's a basketball junkie, but he couldn't run the Minnesota uh, front office and the head coaching. He just couldn't do it. Okay, yeah, for whatever absolutely. reason. So, yes, he has the the Belichick qualities, and I shudder to say that you know that name over these airwaves. But you know, reality is reality. Like, if Tibbs could even be, if 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 Tibbs to us resembles that, what do you think he resembles to the players and to the organization? So, for me, uh, that excites me. Um, I'm really, I don't, I don't think that Knox will cut it. I don't even – and, and that's what excites me about it. So Tibbs has an aura about him, and if you don't fit his type, you're just not going to cut it. Like, you're, you're gone. So Kevin Knox 
doesn't fit the Tibbs mold. Really? You think so? I think like, cause I see, like we see all those videos of like Kevin Knox working out. I think Kev, I think he's young. I think Cal Parry said it right. He needs three years and we're getting onto year three and we need mm-hmm. to see that transition um, from Kevin Knox and to see that, like that next step. I think Kev does have it in there. I think if you, if, when we watch him the first two years, you know, he's been lax on defense. He, his motor has been questionable, but I think he needs a guy who's ready to push him. And I think Fisdale wasn't a guy who was necessarily ready to push his place. And he even mentioned that when he went on that maybe he like to quote David Fisdale needed to crack the whip a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, poor, yeah. Poor term Fisdale, but you know, like, yeah. um, but you, you know, like I think he was a little too lax. He wanted to be like that players coach guy, you know, like a, just like he's a cool guy in the yeah. yeah, and you know, like I think Knox needs a guy like Tibbs. I think Tibbs can actually bond with Knox if he sees how hard he's working. He's like, "Hey, Kev, this is what you got to do, X, Y, and Z." I think Knox can actually appreciate. I hope that. so. I really and, do and, hope so. And the thing is, like when we watched Fizz this past year, right when he coached, when he was coaching, and he put Knox in at the two. Like, who puts Knox in at I the know, two? I know, I know. Right. It, it was wide. So, like, I feel like Fizz didn't do Knox any justice. I got, I got faith in Tibbs doing. Uh, Knox Justice, but I want to touch on that one point that you said about being a, a POBO or president of basketball operations in Minnesota. I think people also, when they look back on that Minnesota resume, they don't look, they don't really take that into account, like how big of a job that is. There's a reason why it's separate, right? There's only two guys that I know that have done it, Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich. How many other guys have done it? Mm-hmm. Very few. And so like, I think Tibbs just took on more than he could chew. And like, think of what you have to do. Maybe they don't have an analytics department, but you got scouting. You got to you got to talk with your uh, your owner. You got to talk with the GM. You got to do all these front office things while managing being a coach and connecting with your players and trying to oversee your players and their development. While and a bad like, team. That's why they had to hire team. a front office and a coach. You and know what like, I mean? And they're not a well-run organization. They don't get as much slander as the Knicks do, but they're also not up there. I don't think everyone understood like how difficult that situation was. And even when he was there doing those things, he broke a 13-year playoff drought. You know what I mean? Like Minnesota went in there, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Andrew Wiggins, they both had the best years of their life under Tibbs. So I think people need to like relax. Like, yes, Kenny Atkinson would have been a fine hire, but we're not like being – there's no short end of the stick with Thibodeau. So like for me, I'm happy with Tibbs. That's that's what I got. That's why I think on the matter. Um, yeah, me, me too, man. Me too. I uh, I'm excited to see how he influences the roster. For sure. And, you know, the last guy that we had that was influential on the roster was Mike Woodson. Oh, he's back. Supposedly. Shane's oh, yeah, too- yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly, Allegedly. Mr. Potato Head is back on our sidelines. Uh, <laughs> is he called Mr. Potato Head? They no, call to him me, Fizz. he just looks like Mr. Potato Head, and I love him, and I'm so happy he's back. And <laughs> We got that with Fizz, too. I don't know if we just, like, what's going on? So who's who? Who's Mr. Well, Potato actually, Head? funny that you mentioned it. Uh, my high school kids always called me Fizz because I got the beard and the glasses going. So they always called me Fizzdale. So I, I, I'm going to call Mike Woodson, Miss Potato Head. And I'll just <laughs> so you don't want any relation to Mr. Potato Head? No, you I don't mean, want no, I'll take you don't any, any relation to Mike Woodson that you give me. I love that man. Um, probably one of the highlights of like last 10 years. Of of Nick's basketball was with Woodson and his sideline reactions 
and the way he was able to manage just a team of misfits with Melo and Rashid and Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler. Just Steve Novak was getting points. Like, just like, you know, players who had no business, like, being together and being such a good team. And he was just holding it down. That was the happiest moment of being a Knicks fan within, like, the last, like, 20 years, man. Like, I know, like, we all have, like, our feelings about the Carmelo Anthony trade, but that 2012-2013 season was just magical. When you could just turn on the TV and you could, like, almost guarantee, like, you just knew in your heart that, like, oh, we're going to win today. And even when you lost, you're like, eh, we got the next one. It's not a big deal. We won the division, made it past the first round out of the playoffs. It was, oh, my God. Played on Christmas. Remember Mellows in Chicago? Oh, my God, dude. Uh, good times, man. Just nice times. Time. So, Mike Woodson being there, like, um, I'm sh- – personally, I'm kind of shocked by it. I really thought he was going to be the uh, heir apparent to Doc Rivers' Clippers. I really thought that. Um, so, if this does go through, um, I'll be – I'm going to be – I'm going to be ecstatic. Like, Tibbs and Woodson, and if you throw in even Mike Miller at the end of that, oh, man, I will just be ecstatic. I'll be, I'll be hyped. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be hyped. I mean, what – what do you think his role is going to be? Cause like, they're like, he's going to be with the Knicks in some capacity. What do you think that means? Like, do you think that just means assistant coach and they didn't want to say like assistant coach or is that like, what, what no, do, he's what, still playing. They, they don't do it. Um, no, 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 no. I'm saying like, what do you think Woodson's role would be like uh, with, with the Knicks? Do you think he's like, um, do you think he's going to be an assistant coach? Like, what do you think his role will be? Like, What's that? What do you, what do we Yeah, I, I think I think he'll be the the top assistant coach. Top assistant um, coach? Yeah, yeah, I think he'll be right there. And I, I do think that Mike Miller might also just be on that staff. Um to because what was really interesting um in the interviews, I know we're gonna uh head into some more uh front office interviews from the Knicks, but Tibbs <laughs> was particularly interesting. Um because he mentioned that he wants to have that gap between the G league and his team and how he really wants to utilize the G league and who's the perfect person for that. Maybe the guy that led the Westchester Knicks to the chip and then came in for the interim Knicks and actually made them look like a real team for however many games it was, you know what I mean? So I'm really excited about, I really hope that Mike Miller's on our staff. I think, um, I'm, we're gonna we're gonna really 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 miss him um, if he's gone. I think he's staying. I don't think he's like that coveted where he's going to be like really Thank pushed God. from Perfect. us. Yeah, um, I don't really like. I don't think that he's like he had, you know, like a season. Really, he could be the, Nick Nurse, man. The, he's Nick Nurse to me. You know what I, I mean? He, I would say like yeah, maybe he's like who knows like after five years of Tibbs and doesn't work out and. Maybe he's like. Oh, let's not go up. down that road. Let's well, not go down that road. That's too far. That's too far. But boy. honestly, so, he, could, he could be Nick Nurse, man. If the Knicks are pulling together uh, a couple good seasons and we actually progress, some team's gonna come snag him. You know, like a Charlotte or a team that wants to develop their guys, uh, sees that someone could connect to their G League and could run a roster. They're gonna they're gonna come get Mike Miller. So you know, the Knicks could maybe one day in five years, instead of being, oh, our coach get fired, maybe you get hired, it'll be wow, the Tibbs coaching tree. Like, that's what we're hoping for. For sure. And, like, my last point on this before we go back to talk about Mike Woodson's uh, return. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's it. Mike Miller is just like another dude, right? Who also is a basketball lifer that we hear. Mm-hmm. He's with now another basketball lifer with Tibbs. <laughs> it's just kind of like two basketball lifers. What more could you ask for for guys who want to be over prepared and want to develop players? So I think, yeah, I would say that I could see Miller getting a chance down the line. But with Woodson potentially returned to the garden, you think he's going to be an assistant coach, which I think he will as well. I think he's going to bode well for the Knicks. You know, I actually wrote about this um, this, this past week for Hoops Habit on, you know. Shameless great, plug. Shameless plug right here. Um, <laughs> Got to plug everything. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was talking about like the offense that the Knicks had while he was here. You know, they were shot. They were first in made, was it made threes? threes and attempts and fifth in three point percentage like that's that they were ahead of the curve like three point shooting and that's like, what's mellow uh, jason kidd rashid wallace and jr smith baby yeah, so, Smith. you know what i'm saying like those are the guys we're talking about so. yeah and we had steve novak all those guys that you listed so like out. yeah well, absolutely <laughs> and like i'm actually really excited to have woodson returning to the mecca if like it all goes through just because i think for an offensive standpoint like he'll help get the offense just like wow, well, i was looking at numbers man every team that he's been with they've never like except for the hawks and just like developing the hawks to get them into like top 10 like offensive rating every other team that he's been with has never been out of the top 10 in offensive rating which yeah, i think is like that's that's very impressive and like with development like another guy that you bring in to help develop our young team i'm I, i'd be i really hope this woodson miller assistant coach pairing comes true just because we'll have like it'll be like such a competent like coaching staff it's it's it's, it's honestly, so weird it's so it's, weird dude, like, it's, i feel it, even weird saying it to have the Knicks are gonna have a competent staff dude like, it's, that I, feels odd like it's it feels like between like those coaches it feels like it's stacked and i'm just like i'm like weirdly like confused like what's going on here like something inside me tells me i'm like wrong but Something he tells me like I'm, this is different, and that we should actually like believe what's happening. So it's also 2020. So like you know, I guess the Knicks like have to do something right at this point. <laughs> All this had to happen for the Knicks to hire a, a legit front office. Let's <laughs> right. See what has to happen to make the playoffs. Oh my god! And speaking about front offices, did you see that uh, that Steve Stout uh, interview? Oh, on the good old Breakfast Club. Like that—that's such a Knicks thing, man. Like only the Knicks front office and the Knicks guys are getting on the Breakfast Club. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. What did you think about the interview? Because I have my thoughts and opinions on that interview. So, um, I—I kind of I like that he um, made this, this is probably unpopular, unpopular hot take. Okay, I kind of like that he made James Dolan. Um, a normal person, all right? Because we we see James Dolan, uh, we hear James Dolan, the billionaire, we see his name on paper, he's blamed for literally everything, um, and he gets zero credit for anything. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't give him one inch of credit for that one season where he hired all those guys and did all those things, but we cannot wait to say how bad he is. Um, I think he does have his flaws, but I think that sometimes... um, we have like this like dictator view on him where he's like controlling everything and the PR and maybe he does have his hand in it. Um, but no one's ever like say, no one ever talks about him. He's sort of like this like magician, you know? So when, when we have like this interview and um, Steve Stout 
who of course he's he can't say anything bad because he's a new hire i get that but like you're just humanizing him and he's just like talking about you know how, you know things that irk him things that, you know like just like his triggers and whatnot and like how he just wants his business to operate you know his four and a half billion dollar valuated nba franchise who can't make the playoffs <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the the guy knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? So he's just like trying to get us to you know, like lay off and just like focus on basketball because James Dolan wants to focus on basketball. So I, that's the part that I really liked about it because we really never get that perspective. Yeah, I can, I can, I can kind of get behind that. I can, I like, I think, I think it was good for him to like kind of humanize Dolan because we feel like I feel like Knicks fans are just like just the media in general makes don't to be at like this like evil like ogre who's just like here just like ready to like wreck habit at, like, yeah you know who wants every the Knicks to win more than anyone turn. on the planet james dolan <laughs> i mean yeah because if they're winning you don't think that valuation goes up that thing probably doubles honestly yeah so we have the same we, i think you just like it was nice to hear like he has the same goals as you guys. Like he wants the same thing. He's also frustrated, just like you. He's trying. You know what I mean? So I, I thought that part was cool. But what did you think about it? I know you have some uh, some feelings about it. Okay, so I saw because like I saw a clip of it on Twitter, and I just saw everyone just like hating on Steve Stout for this interview. And I recommend people just like not to look at the clip and just like listen to the actual interview. And it's quite it's actually a quite like interesting interview to like, even like dive into and listen to. Cause you know, like he has like a lot of interesting points to say, even outside of basketball. And, but when it comes down to the Knicks, um, you know, I think you touched on it, like humanizing Dolan. I think it's, it's hard when you see like, he, he said it perfectly. Like Dolan is like a brash, like individual. He's a CEO. Like he's not going to say everything perfectly. And, you know, when it comes to like, like even when he talk brings up like when he brought up like Charles Oakley and Spike Lee, like he made the distinction like you know, Oakley situation terrible and wrong. Spike Lee situation, you know, it sounds like a, a celebrity who's just like dramatizing something that doesn't really need to be dramatized because they just want a special privilege. And you know what? Like that's true. Like yeah. he, he, he's he's calling it like it is. And on top of that, like when he talks about like Dolan, it's like is Dolan like the best owner? No, but are you going to call Dolan like the worst owner in sports? You can't also say that because the Rangers are actually successful. So yeah. like, I can't, I can't see, I can't, like, that's not like a valid statement. I think people like, especially like the media loves to throw that out saying like, he's a terrible owner. It's like, if he's such a terrible owner, how come the Rangers are actually like constantly like in playoff push or just like actually ran well? That doesn't it's make any sense. It's not the time for that, Alex. It's not the time for that. The Rangers know, got absolutely I know, murdered. I know. But you know, like even to that, like the Rangers are a rebuilding team and they're going through it. What the right way? Oh, I'm sorry. So wait, James Dolan can allow an organization to succeed. I think he's trying to, I think he, the issue was like in the past, he was too hands-on. We saw that with the Mellow trade and like how much we traded for Mellow. Right. And that's one part of the conversation. I think I can tolerate the thing that really is like bothering me is where he's talking about, talent and it's like he talks about it's the first time the Knicks organization has talent with regards to himself uh Wes and Leon Rose and I see people just like going off on it just saying like he doesn't understand it's like a players league and players recruit people and da 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 and you know what yeah you're right that is that is partially true but you know what's also right you need to have 
one, a good coaching staff who has shown to develop, as we always allude to, to Brooklyn, right? As much as I dislike that team, like the Nets <laughs> had a good front office and they developed a culture and they developed players and yada, yada, yada. And we talk about that and wow, look at that. And you know what? You know who also brings in talent? A front, a front office brings in talent. You know why LeBron James didn't come here? Because the meeting with Dolan sucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they said it was like a Sopranos meeting. That sucks. Like, yeah. You know why he went to Miami? Because when you look at Pat Riley and that front office, you see Eric Spolstra, who's a good head coach. What are you going to say? No. Like, that's a good organization. And so when I see people just like going off, just saying like, hey, like, he's he's out of touch just da 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 like he's not getting it it's like no like he actually is making like a valid point like to some extent you need to to some extent you need to like have like a competent front office who knows how to like bring people in to bring them to the table like we could even get a table like what mills and perry could even bring katie to the table to even get an interview they couldn't do it for Kawhi. they couldn't do it for anybody like your front office has to do some like work like everyone has a role Right. Yeah. Everyone yeah, yeah. has a role. And like when it comes to the front office, there is talent now. We actually have talent. Guess who we, we keep saying like, oh, we on Rose has relations with MB, Booker, all these other guys. And it's like, well, would those guys come or even entertain an interview if they didn't have that relationship? A relationship is somewhat needed. And like, I just find that like, this is just like so fascinating. We're now like front offices are like irrelevant. We've been asking for a good front office. Now we get a good front office and yes, he may be doing PR stuff, but you know what? Like our PR sucks too. And he needs to do something to like try to help that. And it's like, it's just funny to me where it's like, oh, he doesn't get it. But it's like, guess what? Talented people exist in many spheres within an organization outside of just like the players on the court. And it's just like, it's just mind boggling when I see like, we're really just going to overreact to like, I'm sorry, like a three-minute clip? Like, come on, people. Come on. Yeah, well, this gets to the crux of our issue. And I know for those of you listening who might not know, there's something called Nicks for Clicks. Alex, do you want to tell us what Nicks for Clicks is? Because I think, I think you're hitting on it right now. And since this is our first Nicks episode, I feel like it's going to be coming up a lot. So why don't you just tell the people what Nicks for Clicks is? And I'm sure everyone already knows what it is, especially if you're on Twitter. Um, Nicks for Clicks is just like, media just throws out something just to click up like clicks because you just throw the name Knicks out there. Just throw Knicks out there anywhere and people will just look at it because everyone is every NBA fan of all other 29 teams, the media itself made like ESPN and whatever, even bleach report. They want to just like hone in on it and just like make fun of. And your Knicks boy, Bill Simmons fans. on the ringer too. Don't forget yeah, your boy. Ah, uh, man, he does it too. Although it was shocking when he complimented us on Leon Rose and Wes <laughs> getting in the building. I was shocked. That's how I know it's actually good <laughs> stuff when he's actually complimenting the Knicks. It's. That's it's, actually how I, that's actually usually how I know that the Knicks did something good. Uh, if nobody talks about it or it goes under the, like, just like under the radar, it's usually a good move uh, for the Knicks. Dude, Hollinger, John Hollinger, writer for The Athletic, who also developed uh, PER, the stat, like he was even complimenting them when we hired Walt Perrin for Scout. Like we got him from the Utah Jazz. It's just kind of like, I'm. this is what I'm saying. It's like 2020 is just like the Twilight Zone and the Knicks are just making smart yeah. I just we don't have know scouts and our office and coaches. It's we, hired a, we hired a dude who named uh, McLean who's doing analytics and, you know, we need more analytics people to a certain extent, but... I, Something's happening, man. So, I, you know, like, I just, 
I'm excited for this season. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that this interview kind of, I mean, it, it's just one thing to say that Dolan is not a great owner, basketball owner, fine. But like, it, it's a whole nother thing to compare him to Pat Riley. Like, he's not Pat oh, yeah. Riley. He's, he's just not. not Pat Riley. We all know he's not Pat Riley, but also Pat Riley's not James Dolan. James Dolan has a conglomerate. You know what I'm saying? And he's doing some things, you know, like that's not Pat Riley. Pat Riley is an NBA basketball, you know, genius. So yeah. um, I just don't think it's fair to compare, you know, Dolan to Pat Riley. And I, I, I do think that Dolan has finally um, put in the right chess pieces. And he yeah. stopped playing checkers. He stopped trying to just like, like run to the end and like buy superstar and King me and just like figure it out from there when all, all my pieces are gone. Cause I was just like focusing on this one thing. I think he finally got the pawns and he's fine. We're finally ready to do something with this team. I agree. And this is not like, and I just want to like make clear, like this is not like a James Dolan stand podcast. Like we, Oh know, God, no, we, we like, we know his flaws. Like we are, very well aware of how many bad things he's done and just like how he just puts up the Knicks in the news 24 seven. We are well aware of that, but I think his binder, his binder interview and Michael K like we're, we're we're there. We were there for the binder interview. (laughs) Kevin and Kevin Canucks and Mitchell Robinson. And yeah, we were there for all that. Yeah. Like we get it. Like we understand that, but I think with everything, there has to be some sort of like even keel judgment, right? Like, we hear about all these other things, but like, does anyone praise him for like, oh, I don't know, paying his workers through COVID, giving Tyson Chandler a plane to go see a sick mom? Like, how many times are we gonna like, like, are we just gonna like overlook these things? Like, he does do some like decent things, and it's just like everything comes and goes. You could say he's predominantly like, just like maybe a miserable owner. Sure, but you know what? I can also say like what I'm other a miserable owner Knicks fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm a miserable Knicks fan too. But you know what? I can also say what other owner is gonna throw cash just to like have this team good. You know, Thunder don't do it. Yeah, how many coaches are we still paying? You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's still ready to pay more coaches. We just so. gave we just gave we gave Fisdale four years and now we're giving Thibodeau five. Like and we didn't we just stopped up. paying Fisher, man. We, we just stopped stop pay- paying Fisher. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. you know, like you gotta take the good with the bad sometimes. And it's just like I think it's not fairly like even keel when it comes to that subject. So like when I saw Steve Stout and I see people overreacting on it, it's just kind of like one, listen, let's listen to the full interview first. Two, when it comes to he's talking about talent to bring people to the table. Yeah, that is part of it. You know what I mean? Like, if the Warriors had, like, a terrible front office, you think people are going there? Like, look, you have D'Lo and Cat. I want to see the next people who are running out to Minnesota to go play with them. And if they all leave, what does that say then? So much for the players. Like, you need a front office that needs to know what they're doing, too. That's all. That's that's how I feel about that. But, you know, let's, let's go on to the next subject, John. I don't want to, like, bah. I mean, like, I mean we're ground. just excited about the front office. Yeah. Um, and it really hasn't happened in a while. Um, I'll be quite frank. I was excited about Phil Jackson. So that's why. But Phil Jackson was just Phil Jackson. And he was coming to uh, implement this alien system of the triangle. Okay. So um, that it was, it was like we really had to buy in to this thing, this Zen thing. Um, here, I just feel like, again, we have the chess pieces and we're finally, finally not playing checkers. 
Yes. Like I, I really feel that way. I can agree with that. And like, yeah, it's just like, I know it's hard to like, I know it's hard to like be excited, especially after Phil, but I'll say this, I'll say the key differences with Phil's hire and Leon Rose's hire. With Phil Jackson, we brought this dude out of retirement. And what did I say on the last podcast? When a dude is retired, man, they're out. They don't want to come <laughs> yeah. back, man. They don't yeah. want to come back. Like, Especially don't Phil. Dolan <laughs> begged this dude to come out of retirement and threw him the bag. And like, I'm sorry, but like when you get thrown the bag, like there's a certain, like everyone has like their standard and like their pay, like that they'll be like, all right, screw it. I'll do it. And it's like, like he got thrown that bag. And I, I honestly, like if I was in a situation and someone threw me that much money to like be front office, I would do that too. When it came to like Phil choosing like his front office, half of it wasn't his. Steve Mills was promoted to being a, you know, GM. That's, that's Dolan's dude. We're looking at it right now um, that it's a full new front office and people are like, it, there's churning going on. So I see like the difference. I have a wild card question for you. Sure. Where do you think Scott Perry lands in this whole uh, muddy situation of an entire new front office, new scouts? Like, yeah. where do you think Scott Perry falls? His boy, Steve Mills, just left, got fired halfway through the season. I'll say, uh, so it's Scott Perry is in a situation where he really has to perform. He really has to knock out the draft, free agency, all these other things. He's on a one-year deal, right? They extended mm-hmm. him for one more year. Um, you know, he's an okay GM. He's made solid picks. He's also botched some picks. Like he's, you know, he's the same guy who's drafted like Oladipo and De'Aaron Fox and Mitchell Robinson, but he's also the same dude that's drafted Mario Hazonia and Alfred Payton. So like, you know, you get some. I love Alfred Payton. (laughs) (laughs) So you imagine that. That's my boy. I was so excited for Alfred Payton to come to the Knicks. He's a good, he's a good player, man. Good bench point guard. Issue is he can't shoot the three. Yeah, he can do everything else well, just yeah, can't shoot the three. Yeah. Um, I just know. like floor generals because the Knicks never have one. I so like when the- I see someone like take the ball and control the tempo and control the offense, it just it makes my I actually it makes like- me my heart quiver. Like <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I hear you, man, and like I agree. I think he like it's this whole past team. It's so hard to like talk about this, but let me finish that before like I can go on about like Alfred Payton just because like he was also like Julius Randle throwing in a poor situation, no shooters. Like yeah. you're asking him to be a shooter, and you're asking him to do a lot of things with no spacing. You had him, RJ Rand, uh, Randall, and then Taj, so you have no three point shooters. And whether it was Mook, who was your only three point shooter, or Mo Harkless, who's like an eh, three three point shooter, it's like you're asking a lot out of your starters, and of course it's not going to look great. I like Peyton too. I think like he's a solid like bench point guard, like, or he could be like, I wouldn't say he's like your true starter, but he's a definitely a darn good bench point guard. Like if you had him coming off the bench running a unit, I feel more than competent, like more. Yeah. Not competent. I feel more than like, I feel reassured that I know nothing's going to go wrong when the ball's in his hands. But for Scott Perry, this is his make or break year, man. Like he, I think he's going to be the scapegoat. I don't think – I think he, if we do bad, he's just going to be fired right away. And if we do good, he's just going to hang around. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I really think it's going to be. I think, like, yeah. he's the first person to go if, like, something goes wrong. 
he will be the first person to go. I don't know if he'll be scapegoat. I don't know if he'll be true Nixian, like fire midway through. He'll be fired at the end of the year or let go. Okay. Or just like not um, extended. Yeah. Or not extended. I don't think, I think, we won't do him I, think I think Rose is going to give him like a solid to like, you yeah. know, like we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, I think he'll do like the very diplomatic, just like, Hey, we're moving on in a different direction. You know, he's a great guy. Give him a stamp of approval. He can go to another team. He's not going to do like, cause if he gets fired midway through, he's not going to be like really bad. Yeah. 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 True, I don't think true. that's happening. I don't think Rose just from, we what can't I'm have right a now, fire like that, no. within the first year. That's true. No. And like, I don't think Rose wants that like on his resume either. I want, I think he, cause that also builds trust, right? It's like, did you give this guy a full year to come work? Do I know I'm going to get a full time to work? All these other things. And like, this is like Perry's make or break year. Like the draft's got to go well. You know, we got scouts to help him now. Um, new voices in the room. If you can listen to those voices and adapt and we do well with the draft and we do well with like building a roster, I could see Perry coming in because he shows that he's able to adapt. Um, on the other hand, if we are like meh and like nothing really changes, then I can see him just Get in the booth that's now. what I'm saying. I, I could just see Scott if we're not looking good and there's potential buzz around our team uh, around the trade deadline. And I know we have a couple of trade exceptions um, on the books. So if there's some, if they don't like Scott Perry's voice in the room, I could see them either just like ignoring him and saving face and just at the end of the year, just being like, okay, man, sorry, you know, and like being diplomatic, like you said. Um, But if things are going really, really, really South or like something bad happens because of a Knicks decision, Scott Perry is going to be thrown under the bus, I think, Um, which I hope doesn't happen, but just a little, I guess this is my little like Knicks, uh, my Nick's insecurity is coming out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just I, like <laughs> I, no, I, I totally hear you, man. I could totally feel that. I like I don't know. I, if he's if he's thrown under the bus, this could be at the end of the year though. I don't see a, yeah. a mid season fire. Hopefully and I we see, shoot and, him right. Yeah. I see that's what that. I'm that's what I'm worried about. I just like if we he just treat seems him like right, the odd man out. If we yeah, he definitely is the odd man out because he's yeah. not like Rose's like true GM hire, you know what I mean? Like if but he's any- been good for us, man. You know what I mean? Like, he's been good for us. He's been scouting. He's been holding it down. If Steve Mills has been this terrible guy, like everybody's saying, then Scott Perry's been doing something. You right? Know what I'm I saying? mean, the books the books are clean, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, somebody's doing something. something you know somebody's I mean? doing something right. And, you know, yeah. like, it has to be him because he's when like, Mills – the only one left. I, and I'll say this because when – Well, that and when Mills was by himself before we even got Perry in, remember what we get, what we did? Gave Tim Hardaway Jr. that – Oh God! Don't even say that. Get out of here! Get out of here! All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on to the next topic now. <laughs> now that we left on that note, what you, the Chicago bubble man or the delete eight? As these guys have been saying, which just sounds so disrespectful, man. The delete eight. Can we? Can we just not and just call it the Chicago bubble, the second bubble, something else? We don't need to call it the delete eight. I don't like just being a Knicks fan, and I can't imagine how other fans feel. It just sounds. It just sounds wrong. It just sounds so terrible. disrespectful. So disrespectful. But I think I think the Knicks and Dola disrespected the NBA back when they had the conference call and the one team that didn't show up on the call were the Knicks because they had a quote-unquote interview Jason Kidd that exact time. Like, give me a break. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that, that's the stuff that I respect Dolan for. You know what I mean? That And, like, it, they got washed out in the media for that. Oh, the Knicks, of course, the only team, blah, 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 blah. But 
You know what I mean? He's like, yo, this is nonsense. I'm not going on no call about no, you know, no side oh. bubble. Yeah, because, well, you know, well, and, and, but on the other side of that, for the players, it kind of makes sense, right? Because they want their game checks. And they don't get game checks unless they play. And they're not going to play. And then their employer only let, like, half the, you know, like, three-fourths of the teams play. I think they're getting their so, game. Well, it's kind of tough. I think they're getting. I think they're getting their checks though, even though they're not playing for those remaining eight teams, because that wouldn't be fair. So, oh, okay, I, are they? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that they are. I, the the reason for this though is for the teams to get games. That's the big issue. They're already getting. It's like burn. Yeah, I think they lost. I think they lost the most when it came to like twenty or thirty percent of like their revenue. So the contracts are being fulfilled because it wouldn't be right just to be paying everybody else. It's like, hey, you okay. chose twenty two teams. You didn't choose thirty teams. That's not yeah. right. Um, but the thing is that they want games because they haven't played since March. And if we have to, if they have to wait the next time they get on a court won't be no, until November. And then the season starts in December, the way that it's already scheduled. So coaches and players want to get a chance to get some runs in. I think for this, like for Chicago bubble, like I'm kind of like, it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to like make sense, especially with like COVID ramping up in some States and just to have a second bubble for only four games four games like if you told me like eight games they were getting like what they were getting in orlando yeah i think it makes sense and if i'm like one of the teams to be asking for my own mini camp and just bring other teams like have them go through a quarantine process and come like fly in like having us all go like to a bubble like in chicago to go through three weeks of training camp to only play four games for eight with eight teams it's like that's not long like what that's maybe two weeks like Max, like yeah, it's it, it's it doesn't sounds, make any sense. It sounds as ridiculous as, as you're making it seem. It's um, like you know, like it makes sense because like I think it's four games for summer league. Like it makes sense for summer league because you also get a tournament afterwards. And too. there's no summer league this year, right? Obviously. And the thing is, like summer league under natural like conditions, it's like it's a short time. We get it, guys who are drafted coming in, they get some run. This too, like whoever we draft, they're not getting run until November to begin with anyway. And it's just like, I don't even see like why, like the NBA, like they needed, you know, they, well, they want their salary cap next year to look, to resemble the projection and nothing is going to resemble their projection because of COVID. Yeah. So they're just trying to like do some things here and there. Honestly, what would make sense is to, like, shove some teams back in the Orlando bubble once they, like, they clear some out. You know what I mean? Like, you could bring four more teams in there. No, it actually makes sense. You really want to do, like, some summer league business. Like, you could do that there. You have nothing to do with the playoffs anyway. That actually makes sense. Like, after, after, like, teams are, like, eliminated from the playoffs, you can actually, like, host other teams down there and then kind of intermingle it there. That way you're still using like the same site. You still have the same resources. They spent like 150 mil, man. They don't want to spend anything in Chicago. Yeah. I think it was projecting like somewhere around 80 mil for like a second bubble in Chicago for eight for like eight teams, which is just like what you're saying actually makes a lot of sense. They should actually be using like once teams are like eliminated, because we're going to get playoff starting soon and people are probably going to be eliminated in like, beginning of September and that's when they want to start this thing but even still like even like midway through September you can still get something going or even around October to get some run in like that actually makes a lot of sense I didn't even think about that that's a good idea John you should be on the board <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the NBA starts like in two weeks it feels like you know what I mean like the next season should have started like literally in, like two weeks that's what I like it feels like we're in August so yeah. I think 
if they really want some burn, they can't really start a whole new concept. We see all like the glitches in the Orlando bubble and that was 150 mil down the road in Disney resorts. So I just don't think it's a good idea. And honestly, man, whenever I hear about the Chicago Bowl, every time I hear about the Knicks, I just think August 25th, the NBA lottery. August 25th. That's all I care about. Don't show me basketball games with the Knicks, like, trying to win summer league, like, playoffs or whatever they try to do every year. Don't show me four nonsense games in Chicago that you're going to make me watch with some virtual fans. Just give me August 25th, NBA lottery. David Stern, freeze the envelopes from whatever world you're in right now. And give, give, us ball. Ball and give us Lamelo Ball. <laughs> give us Lamelo Ball. Give us Lamelo Ball or Killian Hayes, and let me just get out of here. <laughs> Couldn't have said any better else, my friend. But now we go on to your portion, the etc. So what are we? What are we talking about today, John? We could not stop talking about the man, the myth, the legend, number seven. Double zero Alex, now. Tell him. Carmelo Anthony for three <laughs> skinny mellow hoodie mellow whatever you want to call him Olympic mellow mellow <laughs> uh, showed us showed the world um, that he still got it um, I couldn't be more proud to watch mellow I just feel like he's my child like watching him there like as a Knicks fan I don't know why it just feels like it um I think that the Blazers – I did make a wager on the Blazers to make the playoffs before the bubble started at plus 550, um, which means you have to bet $100 to win $550. So I had kind of had some confidence about them going into it. But what have you been most impressed about with the Portland Trailblazers uh, so far in just a short stint in the bubble? And it, what I'm seeing is like how much Nurkic – uh yes. and and collins are just like making a difference and like coming back Nurkic like, is it's, unreal man Nurkic is unreal and it's just like they that the team is not different the team is like completely different from like the regular season and i'm liking it i want portland to like make it man i don't like yeah john moran is fun but you know what triple j Jerry Jackson oh, Jr. He got man. injured, man. Tough loss. That tough was a tough loss. loss. I was really I want... scared of injuries coming through, and that one was a tough one. I know Isaac was a tough one, yeah, but this one Isaac was, like, was really nice. hard. Yeah, and so, like, you know, like, I don't – they need him in Memphis to keep going. So, like, I don't see him going that far. And honestly, if I'm them, you know, you keep competing. You try to make the AC, but, you know, I would be, it would have been fun if they had – Jared Jackson Jr., but now that they don't, like, I'm fully invested in, like, it's not like I wasn't invested in to see Melo do it, but now I'm really invested in for Portland to go get that that last spot for the play-in and just, like, I want to see Portland just cause some damage. I doubt that they can make it all the way, but I want to see them make it to the Western Conference Finals and just, like, all right, whoa, 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 slow your roll, slow your roll. I mean, okay, look, I love Dame, all right? I love Melo, like, Nurkic, like, McCollum, like we're on the same page. Here. Even Mo Harkless, I know he's there. Mo Hawk Queens, now he's with us. Like I'm with the Blazers. I'm with you. All right. 
Oh, they're going to beat the Lakers? No, hell no. Well, you haven't won the Western Conference Finals. They're the eighth seed, so they're going to be playing the number one seed. So right now, number one seed is the Lakers. Oh, that's true. That's All right, true. so we got we got the number one. Uh, we got the number one Lakers. They haven't been the number one seed since Kobe won the chip. All right. Oh uh, man, you're right. So, how do you think that series is going to go between the Lakers and the Blazers? First of all, what an eight-one seed. What a what a game. Like, that's a series, and I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time LeBron James had a legitimate first-round opponent. I cannot dude, remember it. Dude, him and Melo going at it. It's going to be a good matchup. Who's going to guard Dame? Who on the Lakers is going to guard Dame? Yikes. You know what I mean? Who's, on the other hand, who's going to guard LeBron? Fair. But who's going to guard Dame? You know what I mean? Uh, I think that they can – like they have the big men to like hold down the paint. I think, I think it's going to be a good matchup. I think you got to put Melo on LeBron. I think you got to do it. I think you got. I think you got to. I think you got to do it for at least like you got to see how it works out for one game, just because that is the marquee matchup everyone wanted. Like it, it just is, man. It just is. Like you, I think, and I think he's the only dude that really knows how LeBron plays. Like. And he's played with LeBron and against LeBron the most. Let's not forget those Knicks Miami Heat days where we were sweeping the Miami Heat left and right because oh why? We were the team that should have been all the way in the freaking finals, man. Don't you know? Until Amari wanted to punch a fire extinguisher, but until no, until Tyson Chandler and disappeared against Roy Hibbert and made Roy Hibbert. Look oh, like don't him. say that name. Do not say that name. <laughs> I get triggered. Do not say that name. The guy played basketball. I, I, he was literally Will Chamberlain for like eight minutes and then completely forgot how to play basketball after that. I cannot stand that, man. <laughs> Roy Hibber, you you have space in my brain. Like, you have rent-free space in my brain. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, just, just to hit on the other thing, another big uh, upset from the, from the bubble is that little Nets game. We got Jay Crawford back. Uh, yeah, yeah, but he got pulled out because he uh, he uh, he pulled a muscle. But yeah, that's what happens when you jump back into NBA. But the Nets, man, they beat the Bucks. I, I don't think the Bucks are. Stop it! You stop it right there. Hold on, hold on. I don't think they they're the Spurs like they try to act to be sometimes, where they could like switch up their whole formula and get cheeky and like try to run, you know, make Giannis like some weird like run it through him, but make him a point guard, but make him a wing. Like, they did some weird stuff versus the Nets because they thought they could experiment versus, like, a quote-unquote um, G League team, right? Because, like, none of the starters were there. Yeah. Um, and they're just not that. So, I hope they were, like, humbled, like, all right, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not the Spurs. Like, we're not these – like, we can't. We're not – like they almost, they, you know, you know what it really reminded me of with, with like what they tried to do last game. Um, remember when the Warriors just decided to let Andre Iguodala uh, drop a play and be oh. the coach? <laughs> like that's what that reminded me of. Like it was just like, all right, man, like take it easy. Like you, you're really good right now. You had a good game. The Nets aren't putting up that much. You don't really need this game, but like you can't do what you think you can do. Just like you know, take it easy. Yeah. Yeah, I get you on that. This I, I'm Greek Freak is like my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Giannis. Yeah, Giannis. Giannis. That's And for that Bucks game, look, Giannis even played the second half. He had 16 yeah. points in the first half. They're like pulled him. It's like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get. They're resting. No, they're resting out. He, Mike Boonholz said he wanted to give guys rest. And I was yeah. like, okay, you want to give guys rest? That That's fine. But it's like, are we real? But here's my thing. Are we really resting guys? They just, they were just off. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, we're just, just, like, just using well, words at this just, point. This is like, where I need to say anything. This is where I'm saying load management. Like, this is really load management. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're, they're being cheeky, to man. They're being cheeky. And I don't know if uh, they have the... Uh, the talents for it. By the way, John, I will not be on the entire podcast next week because of load management. So you got to do the remaining <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. twenty five well. minutes. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, no, like I think, like yeah, the Nets won. Uh, I'm not getting. Uh, yeah, it's the Nets. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's I, don't, I don't think they, I don't think they're gonna make a, a splash in the playoffs. That's enough Nets talk. All right. Okay, good. So <laughs> let's get on to the real team of New York. Really the pride of New York, the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees. So right now we're recording Wednesday night. It is 3-1, the second game of the doubleheader. Guardy's up, bases are loaded. And it's a 2-1 pitch, payoff pitch. Guardy's probably going to stare at it. It's going to be a 3-1. Yep. Oh, like okay, so which get, brings me to the most important point of this podcast even though it's a Knicks podcast, Angel Hernandez. Oh, God. People. The umpire of game one. Walk into your seats. Here Alex, we go. Alex, I am so triggered, Alex. I'm so triggered. <laughs> I can only just see you as like that meme where like you're just like that guy's face who's just like shaking back and forth. Like, blah, 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 blah. I'm so triggered <laughs> because honestly, uh, I'll be honest. I know we mentioned the NBA bubble. Uh, we're talking about the Chicago bubble. And really quick, this MLB non-bubble bubble, right, that they got going has been amazing. Really, really amazing. There's been some great baseball um, that really is kind of hard to keep up with, I'll say, like when there's like so many games every day, just like in the summer, you know what I mean? And you're like doing all these things. It's really, it's really, uh, baseball is really more of a local sport where you just like keeping track of your team and all their stats and what's going on in your division, right? So I'm not going to complain too much for being eight and two, you know, in this small, you know, in this short year, what's going on? But Angel Hernandez, man, what are you doing? He threw out Phil Nevin last game. He's just driving me absolutely insane ever since he sued the MLB in 98 for racial discrimination for being Cuban. He has gotten insane treatment. And he is consensus, consensus bottom tier by players coaches, uh, managers, uh, also umpires. Nobody thinks this guy is good as his job, but he gets his premier positions and it drives me absolutely insane. So I won't go too into it, but please, Angel Hernandez, stop working. Stop. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. You drive me insane. You're bad at your job. Stop working. I want to just give a preference to how irritated john was today before we started recording today john went on for i'd say a good five minutes pre-record on this i think he might be a little exhausted from how much he actually talked about (laughs) it was just one it was just like a couple plays too just like a couple pitches but oh my god 
Oh, Jesus. It was also ridiculous that Phil Nevin got tossed out and then was able to return to baseball like 35 minutes later because he got thrown out a seven-inning doubleheader and then the game started literally 35 minutes later. So that's cool. I think we need this. I think we need this type of corner. I think we need a John's rant corner at some point. Um, Bro, it's tough out here, man. Like, this is all I got, Angel. Oh, man. Well, Better ruin the Yankees, too? <laughs> and with that, folks, that brings a conclusion to the Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Please make sure to like, subscribe. Please give us leave comments and reviews wherever you get your podcast. Let us know what you think. Let us know how we can improve. We just want you to be part of this community with us, especially when it comes to the Knicks and the Jets and even our Yankees. So just let us know, please. Yeah, guys, we are really excited to do this. Um, we just want to interact and we want to just bring you the facts. And if you ever see Angel Hernandez, tell him I hate him. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we out. <laughs>